Podcast One. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This week is a cracker. We have some very important people around the table, a hand-picked selection of Media Federation of Australia board members. Uh, With us today is uh, Mal Fine, CEO from Initiative, Virginia Highland, the founder and boss at Highland Media, Mark Lolbach, Group M CEO, and Peter Horgan, uh, CEO of OMG, who's been a little bit rowdy in recent weeks. So we're going to get straight into it. There's, there's a very, very uh, interesting and, and welcome initiative that the MFA uh, has bringing to the table uh, in October, where the entire agency sector is shutting down. All the media agency people are uh, going to show up to a thing called MFA X. And it's a day where everyone goes and sorts out what's coming next. So on, on this thing, and it's essentially part of uh, an attempt, I guess, to build credibility and some capability across the industry. And I, I, I welcome the initiative. I think the big question I have is, we were talking about this earlier, is the talent pool uh, for media agencies is Middle Earth. And what I, what I call Middle Earth is, is the emerging uh, leadership, people in their 20s and 30s, is a long time ago for me. That talent pool, are they smart enough, curious enough, hungry enough to meet the competition that's coming at media agencies from a whole host of areas, including marketers taking control and capability in-house. We've seen a, we're seeing a whole lot of things emerge around machine learning and artificial intelligence. And of course, we've got these hybrid sectors um, like consulting and new emerging agencies and, and consultants uh, coming to the fore. So the big question here for the MFA board, I guess, is with uh, MFA X in context, do we have the talent now to match what's coming at the industry in the in the next couple of years? And I'll start perhaps with Mel um, first. Your take on that, Mel? I think we've got some of the most diverse skill set in, in in all industries in the media marketing sector. And you know, you you look at um, some movements that happen between media owner and technology companies, um, and the circling back that's happening into media agencies because of the learning and development that they get across all sectors. So when you go to some of the other media companies, it's very single-minded in in what you're learning and the sort of opportunities that they get from, I guess, being part of our global networks that that we're part of. I think, do, do we have the right people that are coming into the room? Absolutely, but it's our job as an industry to help feeding them this information, help inspiring them, because we've had a a sort of setback in that inspiration in the last couple of years um, where there was um, a lot of distrust around these awards set. Um, So we've worked really hard as an MFA board to make the hard decision to pause for the year uh, and come back bigger and better with a full day where our colleagues can get together and there are those inspiring moments. So it's our duty to keep that kind of education and inspiration going for, for our people. Mark Lowback, the ability for agencies to compete with new talent versus what some of the big technology companies are doing, what the money they can throw at it, the halo that goes around some of these tech companies and the consulting companies, your views versus Mel's. I'm, I'm super impressed with the talent that we have in our organisation. Uh, you talked about that 20 to 30-year-old age group. Every time I spend time with those guys and have a look at the work they contribute, what they're doing on behalf of our clients, you can't help but feel proud that we, I believe, have amazing talent in the media industry in this country. Um, part of the reason the MFA board set up this day 
was actually to celebrate actually the industry and to bring a real positive energy back into what was becoming a very negative industry. And we felt as a board, it was important actually to lift up our young people. I'm also excited about in the media industry, there's a lot of vacancies. Um, and I think it's because we're dynamic. Um, I think we are an industry that is growing um, when we are very, very labor intensive. Uh, and unfortunately, some of the changes recently by the federal government around some visas had slowed some of that ability for us to attract really good talent from outside Australia as well. Um, but look, at, on our side, we're, we're trying to just be very aggressive in bringing new talent in from different areas, um, different disciplines, different areas, and actually promoting media and media careers with people at universities, et cetera. So Virginia Highland, it's so far very upbeat. Um, I'm sure you'll probably have the same thing. What's your take on and from, from an independent agency perspective, I guess, too, because you're not one of the big groups? For me, Paul, it's never, there's never been a better time to be in the media industry. You know, we are the most, one of the most dynamic industries in all of Australia right now. Uh, and I kind of look at it as going, look, if, if marketers want to take media people in-house, great, that's still the media industry and we can support those media, that media talent, either going in-house to marketers, businesses, and then coming back out to the media industry again. Um, I was on the, a, a panel with a market, a senior marketer from one of a, a major company, and he said, I'm looking for a marketer who has SEO skills and programmatic skills. And I go, fantastic. So you're looking for a person who's from the media industry who has really solid knowledge. And I think that we should be celebrating our depth and diversity in how we've created new business offerings for those marketers. But also um, when you look at how we skill our media teams, we're actually skilling them in tech. We're skilling them in understanding what content works in which channel. Our knowledge is so broad and so impressive that not only do marketers want us, they want us in-house and out-of-house. So, Peter Horgan, um, if this is all true and that uh, it's all, all as well in the industry with talent, why does the agency sector have ha- had such a, a, a struggle in the last couple of years for credibility and for resonating with a lot of the broader remit that's going on inside marketing? First of all, let's, uh, let's challenge your, uh, your um, descriptor around the Middle Earthers. And uh, I know you've come up with a new word here, McIntosh, and you're proud of it, but I, I think we need to challenge it. Uh, just straight off the bat. Let's go. So Middle Earthers, you've come up with some sort of Hobbit analogy there for the uh, the rump, the engine room of, uh, of of the agency community, which which I, I think fundamentally is wrong. You know, these are people, you asked the question uh, at, in your opening monologue as to whether they were curious enough and ambitious enough to uh, uh, to step up and deliver for, for clients. And I, I think there's, there's no industry outside of media where the change is as fast of... Where, where you can form form audiences and execute uh, against uh, ever more effective and tighter uh, um, audience communities uh, than what we're developing in the media space. And people, the pace of change is only accelerating and people who are up for that challenge uh, are both curious and and ambitious uh, by definition. Also, the, the exposure they have to industry verticals from banking uh, through, the, through the tourism, these are people who are hanging on in this in this um, environment of change and experiencing industries across uh, across Australian uh, uh, enterprise and these are by definition valuable people who uh, uh, of course tech companies of course clients are keen to get into their, their own environments because they uh, they deliver genuine impact for those businesses. Well, let's go to the challenge on the challenge then, shall we, um, people, which is th- th- this issue that Mark talks about 300 p- vacancies in the industry and going back to the point around agencies trying to deal with some 
credibility issues or capability issues in the sector to marketers. That bit there you haven't quite got to. Is that's not don't, that's not to do with talent then. It's something else then, is it, um, with the struggles that the agencies have had in recent years? You touch on uh, on the credibility uh, challenges. I don't credibility think, and capability. And capability. I, I think that that's actually slightly miscued. I think we've had some reputational challenges which we're working through fast and the MFA and the component agencies there are, are, are throwing a, a lot of horsepower on uh, at that issue and, uh, and and that is that is being addressed. I don't think there's any, ever been a, a question as to the capability of what agency people, media agency people and media agency skills uh, can can de- deliver for, for clients. Not only deliver return on investment for clients, but also do it in a way that um, with transparency and in a way that we can all be proud of. Mel, you talked earlier about the entry point for people in the media agency industry is sitting around 50,000, thereabouts, 50 to 60,000. Now, the average Facebook employee is earning 250,000. That's not a concern then, that the ability for the agencies to, to attract graduates at a salary level that's even competitive. Just firstly, on the, I think, minimum salary now is sitting closer to sort of around the 60K, so we're not bringing anyone in. I think, so this point's really important for us and it's a challenge and, of course, we're not resting on our laurels and saying that we're all great and the talent are fine. For us, we've had to work probably harder at this than any of the tech companies and any of the media owners out there. So it starts at the education process at the university. We then need to go in and we need to bring them in and actually showcase the work that they get to do day in, day out and how inspiring that that becomes because they look at such a diverse way of working across so many different mediums. But then we've also got a lot of different programs internally that we're really proud of, everything from the wellbeing programs, mental health that we have. So it's, it's a day in, day out constant challenge that we need to have at the top of our mind more than probably any other industry does, which is why we're growing as an industry. Mark, you've been on both uh, sides of the fence, agency and marketer, and a long-time marketer. What are you, three years into agency now? So what do you see now in terms of the talent pool, the capability and the churn that Mal talks about? So look, the churn is an industry challenge. And I have to say, having coming from the client side, that number blew my brain. I mean, in marketing department, if you've got a churn at 10 or 15%, you're worried. Um, when I came into this job and was hearing that it was normal to have churn at 30. Um, that's really high. Um, I don't think any of us like it, the number, but I've actually come to accept it more from the fact of where the churn's coming from. It tends to be the very young people that come in in the one to three years, um, and actually about 30% of them leave to go overseas. That's a great thing. I'm a big fan for Australian young people going overseas to get experience. About a third leave the industry, and about the third go off to do other stuff with its client side, whether it's to the tech side. So I think we're an industry that attract a lot of people, um, we've got a lot of people work in the industry and therefore you're going to be always be targeted for people moving around. Um, so it's definitely higher on the agency side. In terms of your comment earlier about capability and development, I actually think having, you know, still keeping contact with people on the client side, we're probably investing more, as Mel said, I think as a media industry and as local companies in the development and training of our people than I probably think clients are. And we have to. That capability comment you talked about, the speed that technology is moving, my, my tech, ad tech, um, the industry, we've got to keep our people upskilled. Um, I actually think our talent today, particularly in some areas around analytics, et cetera, we're probably more valuable to our clients than we've ever been. And they're probably leaning in more than ever for us to help them in this super complex, fragmented world of media that is becoming more and more data-led, 
there's more and more challenge around return on investment, accountability coming from boards and from senior management. And we're, we're needing to do a lot more modelling, a lot more analytics, a lot more leaning in to genuinely bring, I think, more value to the table. Virginia Highland, um, I still have some questions around that level of discourse and debate in the industry that we see, whether it be trade press or whether it be at events or whether we see what people are genuinely talking about and discussing, it does to me seem to be still down further than it needs to be for a smart, future-facing industry. My take, yours on that, you agree with Peter, I assume, um, there's not a problem, uh, but the level of debate and discourse in, in, in this in this market. I will actually caveat by Peter Horgan saying that he did uh, publicly uh, point out uh, a couple of weeks ago in MI3 that the Australian sector was a bit of an outlier versus other markets, the UK and the US, with the level of debate, the negativity wasn't uh, it wasn't like that in overseas markets like it is in Australia. So, Virginia, a long question, but um, see if you can back your chairman. All right. Here we go, Hawks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, you know, looking back three or four years ago, I think our industry was in a pretty disgraceful place, to be honest. And the the way we treated our teams, the, the way we dealt with clients was, you know, not our proudest moments as an industry. Um, what I think has happened because everything has come to the fore, we've had to be braver in how we have discussions with clients. We've had to believe in our ability and what we offer those clients to deliver success for their businesses. Uh, And what that has shown is that we can then increase the salaries and instead of charging low fees, increase the salaries of the teams that we employ uh, and then help those teams to believe in this industry again and be proud of, of what they're doing. And when we start to do that and we become braver as businesses, what that's meant is our teams who are highly talented, smart, 20 to 30 year olds step up and they step in and they start to work harder and think smarter around how they can improve um, the value that they offer to businesses and improve the results of those businesses. So from, from my perspective, I think as an industry, we've come together in a far more powerful way in the last two years to address the issues uh, and have those very brave conversations around fees um, that actually make a difference to to our industry. So I think our um, our 20 to 30 year olds are now far more proud of working for agencies and delivering great results for businesses. And, and I think we do underestimate the smarts that they bring uh, to those clients on a day-to-day basis. Virgil talks about being brave with clients, and I just couldn't agree more, pushing back on some of the unrealistic uh, uh, retainers and procurement-led uh, uh, directors that were emerging uh, locally and, and were coming largely from overseas. And we talked about the reputational reset in the market, and I think a huge part of that program of work has been recognition by clients that that's a two-way street, that if you are, are going to pay fairly, you deserve absolutely uh, all, all transparency. And if you, you don't care how, you, how your agency is being remunerated, that is, that is a totally different uh, kind of relationship. But that, again, you're right, recovering from a position a number of years ago where uh, constant pitching and, you know, the ditch the pitch uh, um, Mo- movement, uh, you could movement call it. Uh, initiative uh, is uh, is 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 underway, and I think with with uh, with with large large industry support of more realistic and su- sustainable uh, practices that support our people and our talent, and uh, and enable uh, them to prosper uh, within this within this industry. Can I, yeah, I'd like to build on that as well. I mean, when it comes to our people, there's two issues. I want to talk about that. One is um, when it comes to our people, I do generally believe we have a duty of care of all of our staff. Um, and that means we need to have the brave conversations and we do need to, I think as an industry, even grow up more 
and and step into our clients, particularly some of the procurement teams, and actually challenge some of the uh, remuneration models and, and offers on the table. Um, having said that, coming from the client side, I think the media industry has been its own worst enemy. Um, we love chasing it to the bottom. I mean, I, I, I hope and I wish, you know, this debate around pitching, it truly comes to a mature discussion around how clients pitch and how we engage as an industry. There is not a week that goes by there isn't somebody in this country buying business at ridiculous rates um, that we should as an industry just say no. Um, we have done it. I know many other people sitting on this table have done it and walked out of pitches, resigned clients because of duty of care of our people. Um, and I think we've got to deliver value. We've really got to help our clients grow their business and have those mature conversations. I think the industry is maturing. I think what I'm seeing lately, I'm pleased about because I actually think generally there are more and more organizations that are saying to their clients, you know what, that's probably not going to serve you well or serve us well because we won't be able to have the right number of people. We won't be able to fund and deliver the value and the quality of work that you expect from us on those fees and on those commissions. It's actually just wrong. So actually, you're probably better off going somewhere else. I want to come back to the agency model, but Mel, um, and, and you, you, it sounds like you want to go there as well, but I do want to ask you about this position that is Australia an outlier versus other markets in terms of the level of debate, discourse and negativity that's in this market. Your thoughts on that before we get back to the agency model. I want to pin you on it. Thank you. Sure, you can pin me on it. The last two years has been, uh, since the sort of reputational hit back in, I think, 2017, which became on the murky supply chain, it almost gave all trade press an invitation just to say, we're going to take one issue and we're going to snowball that in the next two to three years. We're going to use that and absolutely just keep hitting and hitting and hitting the industry more and more and more. And when I, I was just recently overseas with our other top five markets and they all read Australian trade press and they can't believe when you look at you know UK, US, where they report on what's actually happening and locally, we all just get, we, we know the commentary is, is e- almost evil-like um, and Steady obviously came out recently and made a big, uh, you know, headline around that. Um, that we're very much, well, that I'm very much supportive on. But I think, you know, that in itself hasn't driven our reputation, you know, done any favours to our reputation over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, we've been really passionate about making sure that, you know, when we even release a a, a trait, you know, a a press statement that, you know, we try and control every word because we know sort of, you know, there'll be some headline that comes out of it. So, you know, we've had not only headwinds in our own industry around, you know, where where it started from, you know, the, the programmatic conversations a couple of years ago, but the constant headwinds of the our own industry, uh, you know, giving us a hard time about absolutely every bit. Right, and, 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 and that's valid and, a re- and really important, and I think that, you know, more pressure and more vocal noise coming from the industry on that is, is really important. But I also ask the question, you know, I, I've been in trade press and, and on the business titles for however long, too long, and what you see in terms of the traction with the stories that the industry gets, the volume, where the interest lies, so you can blame the trade press, and we should to a point, but it's also the industry's appetite for smart conversation it goes straight away to the the sexy saucy headlines where there's a blow up and some of those more considered uh, discussions and debates do not get the volume, do not get the traction. So it pushes the industry. Sorry, I, the only point I'd just add to that is just that, you know, Australia has one of the worst syndromes of tall poppy that, you know, compared to our other countries. And it's not as interesting if it's a considered intelligent article that comes out. It's not, it's not as 
fun, I guess, for a lot of the people to start commenting and for that to snowball. So it's just somehow ingrained in our culture that tall poppy syndrome has had the permission to to allow that to grow. I agree with that. And I think it's a passionate industry and, and that can that can spiral either into negativity or uh, or, or into, into a good, good place. And I think it's being harnessed the wrong way. Uh, at the moment, which is why it's good we're calling it out and uh, and and looking look, looking looking to to address that. Um, the lightness of the debate, though, that's the bit that gets me. So you you've challenged our mid-level people whether they have the curiosity to actually go for deeper stories if if they're if they're available. Our whole industry is about trying to tease out the tea leaves of how consumers behave and intercept them in a way that is going to make a meaningful difference. Going deeper is exactly what our industry uh, foundations uh, are built on. And I think we we offer them uh, the right content framed in the right way. Um, these, are, these are people who will lap it up. So I, I think uh, it, it's why we welcome uh, a new entrant in, into, the, uh, into the trade press industry uh, that, is, that is going to help, help champion that and we'll be pushing it from our side as well. So Virginia Highland, I, I want to touch on the, the industry, perhaps one of the other criticisms uh, of the industry is, is this notion of effect in media and marketing, effectiveness versus efficiency. So effectiveness versus cost and how much of that is driven by the agency trading legacy that is about we deliver a KPI when we get the, the value down, the actual cost down versus the efficacy of something. Um, is that uh, changing or are we still stuck in a rut there around around the big volume cost discussion versus what is actually working? Look, I think volume versus what's actually working is an interesting topic all around. From my experience, what I've seen um, from probably bigger companies is they tend to be stuck in the rut, um, that they are still looking at cheapest price possible. And that probably has led for me from a procurement perspective. Um, but when you look at businesses that are actually forward thinking, want to move ahead faster than the competition, uh, and you look at the e-commerce you know, area that a lot of our companies are, are, are building, they're very much about, okay, let's do it inexpensively as, as much as we can, but equally they're businesses that actually want to grow and build success. And at the end of the day, everyone can buy as efficiently as each other in the end because there's a lot of more biddable media so that now it's all about who's smarter, who can buy better quality, who understands the audiences better and can get those clients um, closer to their customers. So uh, there is a shift. I think some are caught in the old rut, but the smart companies and the ones that are forward thinking are definitely coming to us wanting solutions more so than actually just cheap price. And I think from that perspective, as an independent agency, we're now winning a lot more business because um, we can spend that time to develop uh, concepts and ideas that can help them deliver success. Mel Fine, one of the great criticisms, or not the great, one of the ongoing criticisms from the media owner sector towards agencies is around uh, the ability, doesn't matter sometimes how innovative or competitive a media owner is in a particular campaign or deal. The agencies have volume deals they've got to meet. So if they're getting ahead in one month, uh, they're pegged back because there's agency volume deals to meet. And so it doesn't matter whether it's competitive or innovative, how, however that pitch might be or proposal, there is a lock-in around volume that actually pegs media owners back. Is that valid? Not at IPG. And this one I'd call out just single-handedly because Danny came out a couple of years ago and said... This is Danny Bass, the yeah. former CEO, yes, IPG. Um, and said, we're not doing deals anymore. So we actually haven't had a deal structure over the last... Um, this will be our third year going into a no deal structure and we've found that... You've gone to quarterly, so you're rolling quarterly, yeah, is that what you do? Correct. Yeah. So on that quarterly basis, it is uh, um, those proposals are more important than ever to make sure that they're forward 
thinking, that they're strategic, um, and that we look at the value that comes out of those proposals back more than just the spot price and more than just what the what the how, how we drive that price to the bottom. It, it comes what what the value equation of the whole response is, and, and I think a lot of our partners have seen the fruits of that labour come up. Mark Lolbach, uh, volume deals counterproductive. Where do you sit on it? So look, I've got to, I think you're going to understand why do we do them. We do them actually to try to secure great rates on behalf of our clients. But that's at a very, very senior level. I mean, I, I don't know about the other groups, but I can tell you within Group M, all of the people down you know, the, in the trenches that we refer to that actually are the strategy guys that are working really close, responding to briefs, truly trying to bring creativity to solve clients' problems, they have no idea about the deals. I don't want them to know about them. I want them to be totally objective, totally independent, and the only thing I ask them to do day in, day out, is do the absolutely best thing they possibly can on behalf of the clients. It's not, it's not how we manage but the is business. It not, but is it not true that an investment director will pull the trading floor in month on month to go, okay, we need to pull some levers there because we're, we're, we're under-delivering on one part? That, that actually no. does happen. No, we'll review them, but there's no way that there's any instructions given by any of our people to any of the people making plans. Peter Horgan? Deals should not, should not be wagging the advertising dog um, in... In this in this era, I think what you're referring to is the legacy of the past when there were very few options. Well, legacy. If you talk about a conversation I had two weeks ago, well, I'm su- I'm surprised to he- to hear it. And any agency group who's uh, who's allowing their um, deal positions to determine uh, where where they're spending their clients' money is uh, is probably not going to be around very long. The whole landscape now um, lends itself to a nimble deal structure and, uh, and and that's the way most of the sensible groups will be set up. So let me give you one example, which it's one of, one of it sort of, uh, I guess, illustrates perhaps the, what was, and maybe less so if, if, if you guys are to be believed, is that uh, a conversation with a marketer um, which said, um, you looking at me a little strangely, that was just a slight little slide, I give you that. Uh, a conversation with a marketer uh, in the last 12 months was where talking to them about how a particular campaign was going, and I won't name any of the names, uh, said, uh, fantastic. Well, firstly, went to the agents. The agents, let's say it was in, in a media, uh, media channel that was under-delivering on audience, but then the same conversation with the media agency was no good and we need make goods, talk to the client, uh, and they said the campaign on the business side is going gangbusters. So the delivery on the business results was the antithesis of what was happening in the media metrics because it was audience delivery. So the agency was challenging uh, media owner X on the fact that it was under-delivering on audience. Clients saying, fantastic, we got these great results. And there is a disparate, there is a, there is a disconnect there between perhaps even the KPIs that agencies are benchmarked on from clients, which is deliver on audience and we, we don't have a business result link. You know, is that valid, I guess, is the question to anyone. The the, the whole reset behind the, uh, the awards program was predicated on a, we were wasting too much resource on 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 uh, on an endless scope of uh, of, of industry uh, trade press led awards and diluting uh, the the fundamentals of what clients care about, which is return on their marketing investment. And the 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 reset um, is again to reinforce the preeminence of, of, of the MFA awards and to reframe. Um, the best work in our industry around uh, return on investment and how, as a business, agencies, media agencies, drive amazing outcomes for clients' businesses. We're still largely measured by media metrics and we'll push hard on media uh, metrics on a sanity point, but the pivot, and again, how we want to be remunerated, is is pivoting towards, um, towards business outcomes, 
so we can we can look at procurement people and clients and say the question you should be asking us is not how cheap but how quickly can I scale this well it's a great it's a great loop around uh, Mel so it's a great loop around to what we all what we expect to come out of what you're hoping to come out of MFAX but go Mel I was just going to say the example you gave before it sounds like there was an alignment between the agency and the client on what those agreed metrics would be and for me that's pretty simple in making sure those alignments are clear and the KPIs are set from the start. But secondly, to make sure that we're reporting off business outcomes, we actually need the clients to work better with us on providing that first party data, ingesting them into a model, an analytics, you know, sales model, where then we can actually work out and work with them to be providing them those best business outcomes. And we share that back with the media owners, but that requires, you know, an out of scope view of not, not in terms of charging, but an out-scope view on basic media planning and to, buying. Yeah, and, yeah, access and access to, and access data, to right? their first-party data, which to a lot fair, of them aren't the sharing. Reluctance, yeah, right? exactly. And reluctance from the client side. Um, sometimes other ones are working. And when the clients are working with us on providing that, that data and we've got really good analytics models going, we're able to provide them full holistic business outcomes that we then share back with the media owners who have been working in partnership with us. So, no, great point. And so I guess I'll, I'll go to you, Mark, uh, to, to wrap up the expectations for MFA X and what does the MFA hope to come out of this this big event, which should be, by the way, it's a great initiative, welcomed, and the fact that you're shutting down the entire sector shows some great intent, right? So that's, that's a really good start. We're going to get really behind, uplift, celebrate what we do, celebrate what our people do every day on behalf of our clients and do it in a way that is about education. It's around best practice. It's around sharing. It's about getting debate. You talked about debate. Let's get some conversations and debates happening. It's going to be over 3,000 people in one room and of one day celebrating what we do and trying to become better at what we do and share and learn. I, I couldn't think of a better way to spend a day. I, I agree with Mark. I think, you know, this has been an 18-month journey when we took the courageous decision to... Uh, uh, to pause all awards uh, across the entire entire industry um, because we needed a reset. So inspiration for our people and not just the leaders of the industry, but the 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 engine of the of, of the industry uh, that we're able to sh- showcase the best the be- the best work that we're producing. But again, for clients, um, demonstrating effectiveness, demonstrating the uh, the fruits of our labour, the fruits of our industry, and how that can drive. Business outcome for clients is what the, uh, the the two themes that the day is specifically about. And Mel, you, you're sensing even with amongst your people, there's a little bit of uh, intensity and interest in, in this day. Yeah, I mean, for us, the momentum started now, like with you know around four or so months to go. It's it's um we've had huge amounts of energy in the last couple of weeks in the lead up to the submission, where uh, only five agencies will get the opportunity to be on stage. Um, so the odds are pretty low. And so our guys went pretty hard in trying to, you know, fight the fight last week to for, for entry. Usually I think we're just doing a lot of award submissions and that can get quite monotonous. Um, it's a bit so, of a machine, so, isn't exactly, it? Exactly. Yeah. It's a machine, yeah. So to have this opportunity to put the agency forward is a real opportunity that I'm so proud of and I can't wait for the day. Fantastic. Mel Fine, Virginia Highland, Mark Lolbeck, Peter Hawkins, thank you for your time. You'll get more on mi-3.com.au. We will talk to you next week. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button to get a free notification every time we release a new episode.